0: Mysticism. Hi, Psychic listeners. For this episode of A Psychic Story, we have Cody Edner on. And Cody has been teaching meditation, energy healing, and intuitive awareness for more than 35 years. He is the founder of intuitivevision.net, the co-host of Energy Matters, which is a podcast. And he travels and teaches advanced training programs, workshops, and seminars. He was also the former director of the Berkeley Psychic Institute of Santa Rosa um, and Aspalon. Am I saying that correctly? Wellness center Um, all right (laughs) i'll let you say that part but um welcome to the show cody
1: oh thank you thank you for having me it's very nice to be here
0: yeah so i um i binged a couple of your episodes or a few of your your episodes on your podcast show but what we like to do around here is really get into the heart of each guest and their story and how they even got started on their spiritual journey so let's dive in there and then we can get into energy matters as a whole
1: Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, my um, story started quite some time ago when I was very young. I had, of course, I had a couple of some of those little psychic experiences that you might have, where you have, you know something beforehand, or one of the experiences I had that really stands out to me is I was kind of up out in the mountains hiking. I was around 14, and my grandmother had passed away while I was away from, you know, any communication. But I I felt it, and I knew she had passed. And then when I got back to civilization, as it were, you know, I was told I had a phone call, and it was to tell me that my grandmother had passed. So, I'd had a few of these experiences that were very real, but very unexplained. In, in my younger years. And then it happened that when I was about, this was a it was the same year, I th- in fact, when my grandmother had passed, I think, I was about 14. And I was up in Idaho with my aunt, and it was my birthday, and we were doing some shopping. And she said, hey, do you want to go to a psychic? Because we saw, we were in a bookstore, and there was a palm reader kind of in the upstairs of the bookstore and so I was like sure because she's like I'll, I'll buy you a psychic reading for your uh, birthday and of course this was would have been in 1980 maybe in Boise Idaho of all places to get my first psychic reading because I'm I was from Northern California where the psychics are plentiful um
0: <laughs> yeah I was gonna say wait a second Boise versus California but okay all right we'll go we'll go with it <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a little. A little strange. so uh, it turns out, as we got to the the psychic and we got set up for our readings, that my aunt apparently really wanted a reading because she went first <laughs> And so I was uh, sitting I got to sit in and watch the reading. and I had this very strong, distinct experience at this young age of watching my aunt get her reading. and when she would ask a question, I knew the answer. And then the psychic would say the answer. And this kept happening in the reading where my aunt would have a question and I would kind of have in my head, you know, what the answer was. It just popped into my head. And then the psychic would say the same thing. And I was, I remember having this thought of like, oh, this is easy. (laughs) Because, you know, at 14, I didn't know what I could do in the world. But Suddenly, I had this experience where it came very easily to me to pick up information and just have it available. And that was really my first big experience uh, around this energy, a psychic energy. And of course, later, what I discovered, because I teach people how to read, is one of the ways, the best ways to teach them is have them sit in with a more advanced reader and match that person's energy, and they'll just start to have very similar experience to what I had. And then I remember I got my reading. I, I actually don't remember anything about what happened in my reading. But I found the tape about a decade after that. And I listened to it. And when it got to the point, she gave a really good reading, actually. But when it got to the point where she said, what questions do you have? And I said, oh, how do I develop my psychic abilities? and that was my question at like 14 years old. And it was it was kind of an interesting answer because she really didn't have an answer. She she said, you know, a lot of things but she really didn't know how she did what she did because it was kind of a gift to her. She just it it woke up in her and she had it. So it really didn't answer my question and but that did start my search. And about 4 years later, or maybe three and a half, but I was—I think it was about 17-ish, maybe close to 18, I found the Berkeley Psychic Institute, and they had my answer, really, because that's what they did. They taught people how to go within and meditate, work with psychic energy and tools, and how to read auras. And so, I started exploring that and learning at about, yeah, the age of 17, 18. And you really haven't stopped since. It's kind of what I've been doing.
0: So I'm curious. So your aunt took you to a psychic. Yes. And and then was your whole family like that? And the fact that you found an institute or a school that actually taught you that early on, especially back then, is very great. Obviously, it's not the norm for most people. So tell me about your family and were they into this other than your aunt? And then how did that help maybe support you into your endeavors?
1: Right. And true, my aunt was a little bit, I when I tell this story sometimes, I'll say, you know, my crazy aunt. Like, everybody has that, a crazy aunt that will take them to do things. Uh, But no, actually, this was, you know, in the 70s. And my family actually was more... Leaning towards the metaphysical side of things. So, my mother was taking astrology classes. We actually got a magazine called Psychic Life that was printed back then that uh, the Berkeley Psychic Institute actually published. So, we had, you know, we had all the uh, Seth books, Jane Roberts books, you know, the uh, Ruth Montgomery back then. It's all about the walk in. We had all those books. So, I, I was reading. All of those different things um, at that age, and some of them were a little heavier than others, so I don't know how, how well I knew what I was reading, but that was around the house. Yeah, definitely. So there w- it was kind of we were open to it, not that we were necessarily thought we were psychic as a whole. But we were definitely open to the metaphysics and a little bit the occult, you might say. And, and so I think that's part of what helped was I actually, when we found the Institute, I went and got a reading. Uh, my sister got a reading. And then we both decided we wanted to take meditation classes. And on the night we were going to head over to take a meditation class, uh, my dad said, well, can I come too? So we all took a meditation <laughs> class together that was not like the meditation you think of today, this mindfulness meditation, but that was very much a meditation about uh, learning psychic tools and then going inward to um, access the information that comes up from then. So it from that space. So it very much entailed, you know, a grounding type meditation, moving of energy, awareness of energy, uh, meditation class. So it it was very much in that arena. That we all ended up doing those classes, learning about that, uh, and some like I pursued going deeper and learning how to read energy and auras, and my sister did as well. So we actually both became aura readers.
0: Well, it sounds like it came a little bit naturally to you early on, and then you went and you learned more and you took the additional classes it It led you to where you are today. What was that like as you were? I guess, um, your, I don't want to say powers, but abilities were amplified. And how did that feel when you were experiencing that up level?
1: Boy, there's a lot to that question, actually. You know, one of the experiences that really set me once I found a place to learn. And so I went in for my first reading. And I had a very distinct experience. Again, I rarely do remember what was said. I remember what I experienced in a reading, but I don't necessarily remember what was said, especially years later. But the experience of the energy moving sticks with you, right? There's, there's something that happens oftentimes. And so in that first reading where I would ultimately take classes and learn, at the end of the reading, the um, guy that was reading me said, well, would you like a healing And I said, sure, I'm game. Like, I didn't know what any of this was at that point. And so he kind of raised his hand in front of him. We were sitting across from each other, and he was upright just with his eyes closed. So he was looking with the third eye at energy. He wasn't looking physically at me. And he he raised his hand in front of him, and he just kind of waved it around in front of him. Uh, He was using his hand to move energy. Uh, When he did that, I felt this movement of energy in me. And I felt it kind of flow upward, and I saw this flash of colors, very bright, uh, very distinct, like just colors in my mind's eye. And I'd never really had that experience, at least not, you know, that vivid. And so I remember having the thought, I need to learn how to do this, like the minute that happened, like as that happened. And so very soon after I joined the next round of classes and started to learn how to do it. But oddly enough, in the, in my very first class where they teach you how to ground, I had that first experience of going inward and really becoming grounded. And the minute I felt that, like that was such a dramatic feeling and experience. And I had this thought in my head. Again, it's not like I thought these thoughts. This is what rose right and and so the minute i had that grounding experience or as i was having it there was this thought in my head that said i have to learn how to teach this and it's like each step i had this other voice that just reinforced that that was the path for me i didn't expect that and i i don't even know at that young age and and when that happened i gave it much weight other than it was just a a louder thought in my head than my normal thoughts. It was clearer, right? It was like this clear thought that really didn't have a question in it. There was no uncertainty. There was no question. It was just like, oh yeah, this is it for me. You know, I, I did progress in that direction. I really learned it because it was exciting to me. It's something that made sense. And in, in some ways, it's almost like what I was perceiving and experiencing in the world didn't make sense until I stepped into this world of energy awareness. And then suddenly everything made sense. So I was probably experiencing the world through a lens of energy awareness. And and then and in fact if I think about it, that that really was my experience. Like I didn't See people just physically, and rarely did I see them in that way. I saw an energy around people, a distortion. It's almost like a distortion field that I couldn't make sense of. Mm. You know, I saw the games that people played, and it never made sense to me as to why. Like, that's not like, like they seemed not that important. But then when I started to see energy and see behind, kind of the games of life, you know, day-to-day life or interactions, then things made sense, much more sense to me. So there was an aspect of where by being there in that setting of, of energy awareness, so in a school that I got my answer, you could say, like the world started to make sense to me. So it did make sense that I pursued that. And you know, not, and that's not for everybody, right? Every, people experience the world in different ways, and they have to find the way that it makes sense to them, and that they can relate to it. Um, and there's a million different ways, certainly, it's, that we could discover and paths we could follow. Uh, but that that is what really made me stick with it is that it's what made sense, and, and I could do it. Like I, it mm-hmm. came to me easily.
0: Yeah, what you're saying is as you were talking I was picturing it's almost like a lot of us come into this world and we forget. We forget where we were before, we forget for all good reasons, like we're supposed to, right? Cuz we're supposed to relearn it. We're supposed to pull in those memories and then that brings us on our, on our soul journey. And for you, the fact that you were able almost like s- Earlier on in your life, um, recall those memories and recall what your purpose is is to be a teacher, to be a light worker, energy worker in this life is like almost like kind of cutting through the BS is what I'm getting. (laughs) Cutting through the BS to get you faster on your path to help others, I guess, is what I was getting from that.
1: Yeah, and I think I was really lucky in that. And it's not, again, it's not something that I could have figured out, right? It happened and it was in front of me and the thing that kept me going was those moments when i encountered it and a voice that was truly mine but was louder than the noise in my head said yeah you, you basically you have to learn to do this you have to learn to teach this and and so there wasn't a, there was a part of me where there wasn't a question about pursuing that now The reason your initial question about that journey, and I was saying, well, that's such a big question because it sounds so simple. Oh, you had this clear path. But that's not how the growth happens, right? The growth happens like I started to really meditate and get into this space, and suddenly I was very different than my high school friends. And then that distanced me from my friends. And then they didn't understand me, you know. And then I pursued going through this process, but in opening up to spiritual awareness and those practices, you have to confront all the stuff that comes up that was negative or painful or the shadow, you might say. And so to start down that path at age 19 uh, was difficult. There were some very difficult moments. And then I had to figure out how to, to grow out of and separate from my family, which everybody has to do. But I had to do that while processing these deep energies and pictures, which didn't let me just go out and party and, you know, become a little more unconscious and just enjoy the early 20s and with no responsibility. It, like, put me in a place where I was, in a way, even though we approach everything with a levity and amusement because it's a high energy, it it put me in a place where I was kind of seriously working through my stuff, right? So it's not like it was fun. You know, on that part of it. It was fun in the doing of it because it's exciting to work energy and read energy and give healings, but it was also the struggle that everybody has in going through a spiritual awakening type path where are these moments of growth where you're having to look at the negative stuff and push through or you're having to come to terms with certain things and get through it. So that was going on as well. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's a huge part of the listening audience is wherever you are in your spiritual path and journey. And when you're hearing this, um, everyone's going through a little bit of just that, what you just said, which is it's not easy. It's not as fun as one may think. It's still exciting, like you said. But then what advice would you have for people that wherever they are in that process or in that journey can they, I guess, reground themselves and feel like that they're not so alone? What do you teach um, your students?
1: Yeah, well, one of the ways that we teach students is in a group. So we don't necessarily teach people individually for that very reason. So you're part of a community. So that is one of the things that helps get you through or make it a little bit easier is that you're with a cohort, so to speak, a, a group of people that can you can interact with and can understand what you're going through. And you can understand what they're going through. I think today we have this wonderful benefit of like this podcast. So listening to uh, different people share their journey, uh, talk about their experiences is like having that community. I mean, that's a really wonderful thing to have. So I think that's one bit of advice is don't isolate yourself because you, you think you are different in going through this. Uh, yeah, you may be different than the masses, but you aren't that different that there aren't lots of people out there going through the same thing. Yeah. There are lots and lots of us and there are many of us that you know, are older and have gone through it, you know, years and years ago. And of course, when I started doing this work in the very early 80s, you know, it's not like there were not meditation resources all over the place. There were very few places that you could go and uh, get this kind of information. Uh, The other thing that I think is very helpful is to have a practice. So it you have to find that practice. And, and when I say practice, mostly I mean contemplative, meditative practice, right? Some way that you do reground yourself actually every day, really at best. The thing about that is you do have to kind of find that practice that works for you, that you can do, that you could sit with. If it's really a struggle, you're not going to sit Half an hour a day with it, so you do have to find that practice or teacher or style that works for you, and know that that you that may grow and you may grow to a you know needing some other resource or some other practice so that you can outgrow whatever you start wherever you start, but you want to start with it wherever you're drawn or what makes sense to you or seems to align. Uh, so it's it's not like you can look out there and say, oh, everybody's doing this. I should do this. That does not necessarily work. It may, but it may not.
0: You say something really important because I think that most people, well, one, we're a society that we just think all of a sudden, I want to try this and then this is going to work. We're impatient in a lot of ways, but also... What you're saying is, like, if it resonates with you and it's feeling good, then great. At the same time, you may grow or evolve or that other person may. And then if something worked for you in the past that didn't, and now you're looking at something else, that's part of the evolution. That's part of that growth process. And also, um, it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? What are some myths and misconceptions? Like, so when you first started... And or like that they were then and they're now, or that you're just now experiencing. Because that's the other thing. It's like you said, this podcast. Yeah, I started at a very early age, like having psychic experiences, having my family also supporting me. And a lot of those myths and misconceptions that were, gosh, 25, 30 years ago are still now, right? Looking into the spiritual or the soul journey is a religious thing. It is a conscious effort of being authentic to who myself who my being is who myself is and I think a lot of times we try and define things as a society which is why it's called a psychic story I may somebody may define me as psychic I don't necessarily define myself as psychic there's multiple ways I could unpack that or probably like put that in there but that's why I wanted to name the podcast A Psychic Story, because you could define yourself as something completely different. You might not be a psychic, right? Or what you think that definition is. So I think that's one of them. I also think the other thing is, is that people um, are scared or they, they think that a certain practice is necessarily evil. And so then my question is, what's evil? <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of where some of my... Um, myths and misconceptions have been is just trying to say to people if you feel that your truth is to lean into your intuitive abilities or into your soul into your whatever that truth is it's not necessarily a scary thing and it shouldn't be defined by somebody else external to you that should be what your truth is
1: some of the people that i encounter pursuing this kind of information it's they they may have in their mind this their truth because it's kind of a, a, a vogue thing maybe to to say it in that way. Uh, for many of us, it was trying to find our an answer, like right, who am I and how does this make sense and how do I relate? Like, what do I do here? And the only place where the that answer lies is in this spiritual path or the, the information that is more spiritual. So, for those of us that didn't really fit into the rules that you might find in a religion and to the black and white thinking that you might find in many kind of ideologies or religions, it's like, well, then what? where is my answer and where do I find um, truth and nuance? And very often it is in uncovering your own inner tuition, which is where you then discover what is my truth, right? Like that's where you start to get into that kind of thinking. Uh, But you're right. One of the the myths that still sticks around is around the word psychic. And, you know, there's this idea of psychic that maybe projects what you can do or what you might know. So you might know the future, you might read someone's mind. It's, it's much like there's a myth around, say, being a black belt. So if someone's a black belt, there's this preconceived idea about what that means. You know, the real core word psychic or the root of that word has something to do with like soul essence or of of the soul or of the essence of the the self. So a psychic really it's not about what you could do externally. It's about journeying inward and being in touch with that soul energy within. In some ways, as a teacher, I much prefer the word like being a mystic. You know, nowadays, we offer an intuitive training program focusing on accessing your ability of clairvoyance. That's our our prime thing is to teach people how to see energy so that we can get out of the constant, maybe Sea of energy around us where we're just feeling everything. So, the way out of that is to start to see energy. Because the thing is, we do need to get information psychically. We need to know where that other person is. We need to know where they are relative to us. And for most of us, the only way to get that information is on a feeling level. So, we can have this ability of clairsentience that we can really. Rely on too much in a way because then we end up feeling what everybody else is in the middle of. And that's, that's a real tough energy to process through the body all the time. So we actually teach people how to shift their awareness into a clairvoyant space and look at energy. So you can get the same information from there without having to feel it or be overwhelmed by it or even meld with it, you know, cause it might, you might just be seeing things. With people that you you aren't interested in having a deeper relationship with, you just are out in the world and you need to know where everybody's at. If you're out in the world feeling where everybody's at, then being out in the world is a very difficult thing to do. And it's exhausting. But the minute you can shift into seeing, you have much more freedom because it's not exhausting. So that word psychic, though, is is one of the biggest uh, ones that has a myth or a, a misconception around it that still persists. And, you know, and it also has a negative connotation. So it has the positive like, oh, you must know the future or tell, tell, you know, read my mind, blah, blah, blah. But then it also has this negative like that it is some power that then could be used, you know, for evil, let's say, if you want to use that word. Right. <laughs> um, right. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of that. The more awake you become, the more you become aware of and in control of your own energy, the less likely you are to use that power to push something, you know, into or on something else. It's the people that are kind of activated at a psychic energy level but don't know it that actually end up causing disruption and, and damage in a way to those around them or in the world. So it's kind of a funny thing, you know, that we we used to have this um, idea or people would say, oh, what you don't know won't hurt you. You know, what they don't know won't hurt them. When in truth, what you don't know is exactly the only thing that can hurt you because what you know, you'll then know where you are relative to it and what to do. So that that is the one of the bigger myths for sure. The other myth that it's really big in It might not be that big now because so many people are meditating, but it used to be that, well, I can't stop thinking or I can't focus, so I can't meditate. And that's just really not true because meditation is about moving to a place of connection and inner awareness. And one of the things you might become aware of right away is I can't stop thinking. (laughs) So that's the starting point. That's not a reason to not do it. That's a reason to pursue it, actually. Um, so that is a common myth, but nowadays it seems like with so much meditation permeating society and an awareness from a mindfulness perspective, which is to watch your thinking, uh, that one seems to be breaking down a bit like that that barrier is coming down. yeah, you know. I have one more myth that came to me, oh
0: yeah, no, go ahead
1: <laughs> because the other one that strikes me, part of the problem with some of these myths is they're counterproductive to being on a spiritual path and going through the growth. So one is that to become spiritual means that then you're more perfect or you should, things should be more perfect. And so you may start on a spiritual path. And if if you can do one of two things, you can either kind of pursue perfection and start to put a great expectation on yourself, which can be uh, very difficult. We already have enough expectations on ourselves usually. <laughs> Uh, It's better to take them off than put more on. Because part of uh, getting in touch with the deeper part where your intuition arises from or where your deep soul or spirit energy is, is getting out of the expectations that have been put on us, especially by society, and listening to that deeper inner voice, which might have a different take on things and a different answer. So this idea that being spiritual is being perfect, Or that if you start in the spiritual path, everything should really just immediately work um, out correctly. I think that myth really stops a lot of people, or or at least makes it to where they beat themselves up along the path, versus uh, recognizing that you know walking a spiritual path and starting to come into that place is in part about really taking a look at things and really becoming honest with oneself, which might mean letting go of more than it means, you know, adding into yourself something. So a lot of the beginning, and maybe for quite some time, is really letting go of old dysfunctions and structures and blocks. And so that's kind of messy it's it's not perfect mm-hmm. it's really actually more messy than it is perfect
0: that and i would add on um thinking that your teacher or the per- your mentor the person that you're going to for direction is also perfect because they're on their own spiritual journey and path and learning as well right we're not perfect
1: right yeah and there may be a part of that that aligns with if if there is this underlying concept that the spiritual it leads to perfect or i'm becoming more perfect. So then you would project onto your teacher all those perfect things that you're not ready, that you're not yet. But yes, we're all human. And the spiritual teacher, I I much like the term in karate of sensei, which is like the teacher, but that just means one who's walked the path before. So it just means someone who's gone through what you've gone through so they understand it enough to guide you. It doesn't, mean they're perfect by any means and certainly one of the reasons one might pursue teaching in this arena such as I have done is because that's that's the next way to learn more Mm -hmm. so you're continuing to learn and grow as by teaching that becomes your your way to like challenge yourself and learn and grow through all of your flaws and imperfections
0: right isn't it that that saying like the The students, the teacher, and vice versa. It's not always the what I know. I'm probably butchering it, but something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing that my teacher often said, um, and I've had many teachers over the years, but my main teacher often said when he was teaching a group is, he said, you know, well, he said it from both sides. So when he was teaching a group, he would say, you know, you all are more capable than I am. But when he was teaching people about being a teacher, he said, you have to remember your students are going to be more capable than you are because they're the next iteration up. They come in at that next higher energy level. So where we had to work to get there, they're starting there. And that's a good kind of reminder as a teacher is, yeah, your students are really more capable than you are and they're going to take it to the next level.
0: What advice would you give your younger self? Like, I mean, obviously you did because you came in and you've already been giving yourself advice and direction to your path. But if you could just kind of drop in and say, do this or consider this or whatever, what would you say to to yourself, your, your younger self or anyone else that's listening?
1: You know, it, it goes back to kind of that perfection thing, because I did that. I tried really hard, and I was really pursuing it from a improvement, perfection, vantage point early on. And, I mean, it's fine to pursue something with earnest and to, you know, give it your all and to do good in it or do well. But I think I would tell myself to relax and not be so hard on yourself. <laughs> In the beginning, yeah. Have
0: a little bit of fun along the way, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like when we first start, you said something early on about like, ooh, this is cool, like, you know, my aunt giving me a psychic reading or going into all this books and it feels exciting at the time right but then when you get into the heart of it it's like oh like it's a lot of work too so you're absolutely right it's it's uh enjoying the process I think in the journey and having fun along the way because we definitely forget I think we're a lot harder on ourselves than we tend to want to admit right
1: I think so and later I mean I did figure out you know you're going to enjoy the journey but that's that is the advice I would give my younger self and it I don't know if that's good advice or not because it's very hard advice to take. I doubt I would have listened to it because I'm sure people told me to enjoy the journey back then when I was struggling. So, but that it would be the thing I would, I think, hope to tell myself and remind myself earlier on in my meditations. Just take a breath.
0: What I'm getting is not fighting it, is like the word, is the term. Maybe it's not as much as enjoying it, but not to. Fight fight it. I think I fought a lot when I was younger. Like I was like, I don't want to have this experience. What what's this going to teach me? And
1: I think you're yeah. right. I think that's it. It's getting rid of that resistance or that fight of the journey itself, like of the stuff that comes up. I think that that is a good way to put it.
0: Well, how can people get in touch with you? And, um, you know, obviously I'll include all of this in the show notes and on the website and everything. But how would you prefer people get in touch with you? What kind of things do you have coming up that you would want people or encourage people to take a look at, sign up for?
1: Oh, yeah. So we have a podcast as well that you mentioned, Energy Matters. I do that with a co-host, a friend of mine, David Gandelman. So we come together and do the podcast. We each have our own practice and and business. So my website is Intuitive Vision. And um, through that, you could find services, you know, readings and different things that I do like that. But actually, through our Energy Matters Academy is the website, we teach uh, intuitive classes. So we have an intuitive training Course that starts again. We do one a year, so the next one starts in March. So we're midway through one right now. You can go to our website and just sign in that you're interested, and we'll have have everybody on a list, and then we will email everybody. So I think the first place to really get to know us would be through the podcast. Listen to some of the shows and check us out there, and then get on our mailing list at EnergyMattersAcademy.com. And that way you'll just get information as it comes about.
0: Awesome. Well, you have a good radio voice, good podcast voice. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Anything else that you feel led to share with the listeners before we break? I
1: think that one thing, you know, in terms of advice for no matter where you are, that it's okay to start right there. You know, there is this picture that we have to somehow be better or farther along. Uh, before we can really get it, quote unquote, but taking a breath and just taking a moment to kind of center in yourself and get in touch with yourself and find a grounding practice is a simple thing to do, and it makes a big difference. And you can just, you don't have to be somewhere other than where you are to start working on spiritual awareness and growth, because everything is spiritual. So all you have to do is stop long enough, to get in touch with yourself and notice that and it starts there and really it starts there every day i mean for me too i can forget that it's spiritual and get caught up in (laughs) the drama of life right so i have to stop and take a breath and remember who i am and where i am and then approach the world from that different perspective, from an energy awareness perspective is how I would say it.
0: Well, thank you so much, everyone, Cody Edner, teacher, energy healer, intuitive, and um, co-host of a podcast. So we'll include all that in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us, Cody.
1: All right. Thank you, Nicole.
0: Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychic story.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychic or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you. And you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychic when you do because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.